Let's talk gospel music gold. I'm your host and Sonia Gibbs here to talk with gospel music singers, songwriters, historians, recording artists, choir masters and directors. In this podcast, my guests will share their journey, their struggle, their strength, and most of all, their inspiration. Some of the guests on the podcast will be well-known throughout the gospel field and others, you will have heard their instruments, their voices, and their emotions. For decades, black churches have been moved and enlightened by gospel music ministry that hit congregations and audiences to the core by reminding us through song, the word of God. This podcast, Let's Talk, Gospel Music Gold wants to explore the generating force behind us never getting tired of listening to the acceleration of soul and rhythm. Gold with your host and Sonia. With me today, I have Reverend Dr. Stanley Keeble, who is a lifelong lover of gospel music and has been involved with music since early childhood. He started his journey by taking music lessons at an early age. Dr. Keeble formed groups, played for multiple gospel artists such as Inez Andrews and more. He has directed choirs and shared his gifts throughout Chicago and across the country. Dr. Keeble founded the Chicago Gospel Music Heritage Museum, and it still works in developing gold in gospel music. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold, Reverend Dr. Stanley Keeble. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. That is wonderful. What I wanted to talk with you about was about the treasures that you have given us in gospel music gold so can you tell us i'll ask you what made you want to start the gospel music heritage museum unfortunately i did not want to start the <laughs> museum it was an assignment from the creator uh, I was on the bus, on the 47th Street bus, on my way home, and we passed State Street, and there was a one-story building uh, where 
they housed all the information for all the CHA housing and Spirit said to me, I want you to start a gospel music museum and I want you to house it right there. I said, okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, you have something in mind, but I don't. <laughs> okay. Now, so you were anointed by the voice of the Lord to tell you to start the museum. And yeah. in looking at how it has developed. Can you tell me the beginnings of it as, you know, what you had to go through to actually get that museum going? Well, um, I was informed by folks that were more knowledgeable than myself. First of all, like, I was going to start a museum. I needed to uh, file for a non-profit organization, which I did do. Uh, it cost uh, quite a bit of money. <laughs> and uh, but, uh, I put the museum together in February of 2002, which means next month this uh, museum will be 19 years old and we still don't have housing. <laughs> okay. So you're still looking for working with the city and trying to get that or working with grants to get that? Uh, I've been working everywhere I could. Okay. Uh, uh, it's not uh, an easy task. Uh, people are not always cooperative. And uh, one of the reasons I don't like talking about it is because I've had some folks that have been very, very unkind. And I don't want to talk about folks. And uh, I uh, have to do things. Uh, the way I am directed by the creator. <laughs> okay, okay, I understand that. So consequently, uh, we've been offered some places and we ran into problems where we were and could stay there. So consequently, I had to get out. <laughs> mm. Okay, well, maybe we can, maybe some of our listeners can help out and find a way to get that into a brick and mortar where it stays. Now, in forming the Gospel Heritage Museum, what kind of artifacts or what kind of history is going to go into it? Uh, well, basically, we're evolving everything around Thomas Dorothy the man that actually turned it gospel music. And uh, he was met with great resistance from the black church because they told Dorothy that the gospel could not be sung. It had to be preached. Mm. And for 
period of time, Abel wouldn't even allow it within the structure of the church. So somebody had to come along that felt Dorsey's spirit uh, and accepted it. And uh, I don't know if that was the Reverend Smith at uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church at that time. Uh, and uh, I had a couple of aunts that belonged to uh, Ebenezer down at 45th and Vincent. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Dorsey uh, was playing at Ebenezer at the time. This is in the early 30s. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> I did come along in 37, though. So, uh, anyway, uh, he teamed up with Sally Martin, and he was writing and playing the song, and Sally Martin was singing whatever uh, Dorothy had written and taught her. And they were traveling over the country trying to spread gospel music everywhere they could. And they were basically on the trains. They did a lot of train traveling back in those days. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, he was, Dorothy was in St. Louis. Uh, doing some teaching when he got the call that his wife and their newborn son had just died. That's when he wrote Precious Lord. Precious Lord is now translated into 40 different languages. Wow. And being a former teacher, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you I didn't even know that word for you, Jim. <laughs> well, let me ask you about the involvement of gospel music. So you've been around for a while and you've seen gospel music evolve and transition. What are your thoughts on the transition of gospel music? Uh, well, it's probably going to sound more personal than professional. <laughs> okay, because professional makes sure that everybody has the right to be inclusive. Uh, but my experience, and I've traveled almost all over this country, in my involvement in gospel music, uh, and I worked very closely with a lot of the top artists. And one of my favorites, of course, was the late Inez Andrews. And uh, I uh, ended up playing Finance for almost 10 years. At one point, she had a group called the Andrew F. Mm -hmm. Then I did, went solo. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and I think, uh, and this is me thinking because we never discussed it, I think Inez uh, wanted me because she had tried, you know, several musicians. Mm-hmm. As a, a fact, she had a young fella out of, uh, I believe, uh, that boy was from Atlanta that played exceptionally well, Inez. Uh, but uh, something happened in any way. <laughs> she was looking for a musician, and I tried out. And uh, she told me she wanted me to play for her. So I, of course, did because I appreciated her um, her honesty. As a matter of fact, I had heard about Inez before ever seeing her because uh, Dorothy Norwood was singing with the caravan. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cleveland at the time was playing for the caravan. And uh, the caravans were in Birmingham. And Inez was singing with the gospel harmonettes out of Birmingham. And James said to Abertina, I think you ought to take this girl back to Chicago with her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were all young, and very few of us had vehicles anyway. I saw Boston Norwood under the L on 47th Street. She said, Stanley, we got a girl from Birmingham. You have not heard anybody like her in your life. I said, Dorothy, I said, you do know that folk don't trust what you said. <laughs> you you record live. <laughs> Johnny and Jesus. <laughs> uh, she said, but this girl can show me. And a few nights later, uh, the caravans was at Fellowship when we were at 4621 State Street. Mm. And I there sang a song that I literally loved. And she did sing it. She can sing with the caravan by herself that night. And anyway, it was extremely tremendous. But I think Inez decided that she wanted me for her musician who left the caravan uh, because of my history and my beginning. Okay. First of all, my mother had four children, and I was the fourth one. The rest of her children were born in the South. I was the only one born here in Chicago. Oh, okay. And I think one of the reasons that Inez wanted me was because of my heritage of being here in Chicago. Because I tell Inez's children frequently, I said, thank you, Mama wanted me because she wanted 
to save me. I said, <laughs> she said she was going to take this crazy little city boy on the road, and most of our work was in the South. And uh, she had a group when I first started playing behind me. And it was an already made a group of ladies out of Patterson, New Jersey. And they moved here to Chicago so they could be the Andrews. Okay. And I remember one day in rehearsal, I did stop rehearsing and said to the girl, she said, now listen, if all of a sudden y'all don't hear any music, don't get excited. Stanley will be in a corner somewhere, shout. Because <laughs> <laughs> they could sing, no, they're a stringing group of women. <laughs> uh, anyway, but uh, Inez felt that she could be a light for me, especially traveling in the South, not being exposed to life. Oh, okay. And I tell her children regularly, y'all mama prayed for me so, cause you know, the white folks didn't have no problem stopping black children driving in the South with license plates from the North. But anyway, we never had any bad incidents and, uh, it was a joy for me, and I tell people whenever I talk about her, I never took me places I had never been. Mm. Uh, I never went in the Apollo Theater in New York, and I, of course, was her musician. And uh, it was tremendous. And... Uh, we had such a great, great time because James used to come home from New York at the Apollo playing for the caravan, and he'd tell me about what a great time they had, and I'm wanting to go myself <laughs> and saw no way of not getting there. Mm. But anyway, of course, the Lord made a way for me. Uh, but... Uh, my work with Inez exposed me to a lot of things. I remember when I first started playing for Inez, and this is what is really, really important. We had to stay in people's houses mm. when we went south. Okay. Because the hotels we're not allowing black folk in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember uh, everywhere we went, like I said, we stayed in for town. Uh, but I miss, uh, had to uh, go to um, Atlanta one year and this particular year, 
they had started allowing blacks to stay in hotels. And we were in the hotel, and this was so early that they didn't even have televisions in the hotels back in that day. Mm. There was only the radio. And we had turned on the radio, and they had announced on the radio that if you're going to the gospel musical at the Civic Auditorium, uh, you better go right now because the traffic is tied up in every direction. And I thought it was a ploy to get people to go. Uh-huh. Can I tell you that we literally had to get the police to get through that traffic. Wow. <laughs> we got there. We, of course, went in through the stage entrance. And we didn't go out front. We were in, in the back of the building. And so I may went straight to her dressing room. Well, I'm a young fella and extremely curious. So I go and look from behind the curtain and I see all those people. I went to Inez's just I said, I it. How many does this place see? <laughs> she said, it see 25,000. Why? I said, Inez, every seat has somebody in it, and people are standing around the wall. Wow. Inez said to me, I don't care how many folk out there, you better go out there and play today. <laughs> Nigga, like you've never played before in your life. <laughs> so it sounds like she kept you in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. let me ask you this about your... Um, your first encounter, and you said you went and auditioned. What song, if you re- remember, what song did you play to audition for Inez? Uh, uh, Lord, Don't Move the Mountain. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying because of my love for this music, which started years earlier, because my very first solo that I ever sang, I was in the third grade. Okay. And I sang trees. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Okay. And and uh, I think the Lord just blessed it. Anyway, after the assembly was over, the music teacher came to me and said, you think you could come to my church and sing Sunday for me? <laughs> now, see, I and thought I you said, were getting ready to sing part of it for me right now. <laughs> no, she said, no, she said to me, I'd really like for you to come to my church and sing. I said, well, first of all, you can't ask me. You have to ask my grandma. I can't go nowhere without my grandma saying I can go at 10 years old. <laughs> and my grandmother allowed me to go. And she played for 
this A-M-E church. And when I was 10 years old, the folk that attended A-M-E churches said nothing. They reacted to them. They said they're like stone. Mm. I sang, and I remember it today, is you're all on the altar scared to death, eyes closed tight as I could get them. And when I ended that song and opened my eyes, them Methodist folks were shouting like they had lost their mind. Okay. And I didn't realize that I guessed until I was about 19 or 20 years old. And the Spirit said to me that the Lord had given me his anointing in that Methodist spirit. And that's why those folks reacted to my singing. I don't think it was the singing. I think it was the mere fact that I was a child and had that quality tone in the voice. And I'm saying ever since then, you know, it's been an uphill climb and I've enjoyed every moment on it, of it and I've been I have been all over the world I've been most of Europe haven't been to South America or Africa yet but I'm looking forward to going okay that sounds good yeah uh, Reverend Clay Evans was the chairman of the board of directors for the museum, where you know Reverend Evans passed away uh, over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the fellow that is now the chairman of the board for the museum, his name is uh, Oscar uh, Ware, and he is the America's ambassador to Israel and to Africa. Okay. So I know I'll be going. All right. <laughs> All right. I know that. <laughs> Especially when they lift these travel sanctions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also see, I also know that you, do you still host your weekly radio show? Or is that... No, I'm not on the radio right now. However, Reverend Al Sampson is putting together an internet radio show. And he's asked me to be a participant uh, on his uh, station that he's already given it the call letters. It's WMLK. You know, he was ordained by Dr. King. Oh, okay. And uh, he is uh, putting back together. He formerly pastored Fernwood United Methodist Church. but it is no longer a United Methodist Church. They told him if he wanted the church, he could buy it from them. So he bought the church, and it's now called Fernwood 
outreach community center. And where is that located? 101st in Wallace. Okay. So when you, uh, do you know when the radio station will be up and running? Uh, they're working very diligently now. I'm not sure of the exact date, but I can keep you informed now that I have your name and number. All right. Because I, I really want to uh, express to people that there is so much richness in gospel music. There's so much gold in gospel music and that people who are behind the scenes are just as um, instrumental as the people that are in front of the the stage, you know, standing on, on stage and doing so, just like your support for Inez Andrews as her musician. And that is what I wanted to talk about and bring about is to share the history because you yourself, you're, you're walking history. Uh, I, I am honored that you said that you would do my interview. I know we met a few times and you may not remember, but I remember. <laughs> but we That's 384 on my birthday. <laughs> well, bless your heart. Well, I'm old enough to forget some things. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. And that's that's quite okay. Uh, and that's why uh, I started our conversation because you were asking me about uh, what do I think about what is going on today. My problem with it, and it is a problem for me, because I realize that um, the difference is the folks that I worked with, the folks that I played for, the folks that I sang for, um, I realize Folk like Inez, folk like Mahalia, folk like James Cleveland, they sing to bless the people. Mm. I remember Inez was singing one night when I was playing for her. Everybody in the building was shouting, and Inez still screaming, Mary. <laughs> I whispered to her, I said, Inez, why don't you come on off the floor? You ain't seen the work on everybody already. Show. <laughs> <laughs> but she was so committed to bless people. Mm. And most of the artists today are involved to be blessed rather mm. than to be a blessing. Wow. Okay. And that's what affects me. Uh, because a lot of great things have happened to me because of this music. Okay. I had a niece that came home from school one day and she was going to CVS high school. And she came home and she said, Uncle Stanley, uh, one of my teachers uh, want to see you. And my question to her was, 
quadros de outro que monta em mim é nascer eu não. Se serão novos, se não malas nem escrevo, e se esme ralhou na torre de uma alco, e se se tivesse de tudo, a torre se desce, a mão doa de ir, e a mão se desce, e se tiver anything negative to say about you, you give your soul the price, because your behind belonged to me. <laughs> I went to the school, and I don't know if you are aware of the fact, but all the music departments in the Chicago Public School is on the third floor. Mm. And I had to walk up three flights <laughs> <laughs> And it was ironic because I actually attended CVS at school. And when I went to CVS, it was about 10 of us in that whole building. And it had the reputation of being the largest high school in all of America. Mm. Have you ever seen CVS High School on 87 just off the of oh, oh, yes, I've seen it. Mm. You can get lost. You know for a fact that it is a huge building, right? Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, I walked in, and on my way to the room, the teacher met me at the door. And you have to forgive me, but I'm human. She grabbed my hand and was squeezing my hand. And I said to myself, uh-oh, I got a cougar on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she said to me, standing at the door, I sent for you because I wanted to tell you in person how much I appreciate your music. Mm. And Satan stepped in right away. He said, now, what does she know about your music? And then the spirit spoke to me and said, because she hear you, you have to realize that you're on Jubilee Showcase a whole lot of Sunday mornings on television. Mm -hmm. And you're on Fellowship's radio broadcast almost every Sunday night. <laughs> I said, oh, oh. Anyway, she had me to sit down and play something for her class, and they just fell in love. And she said, well, why don't you teach a song like this? And I taught them a song, and about 30 minutes into the song, the bell rang, mm. which means they had to leave and go to the next class, right? Right. They come out that room as loud as they could. Hallelujah. Hosanna. <laughs> they paid me more attention. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying all of these things happen because of the anointing that the Lord had given me years before. Okay. Because this woman who was a top-notch musician herself, had perfect pitch, everything. 
That's why I say we were the chairman of the music department, CVS High School. And I'm saying there was so much going on that I actually ended up performing at the school one night or something the school was having. Mm. Um, I remember um, the only expo that Jesse and Breadbasket had, because it was Breadbasket back then, Okay. before it was pushed. Uh, and Jesse had wanted uh, James as the gospel artist. James, of course, at that time was living in California. But James and I were good buddies, and we stayed in touch with each other. And uh, I called James and told James that uh, Jesse wanted him to come for the expo. So, well, now what was the name of the expo? Uh, Jesse Jackson presented the expo for Breadbasket. You know, Jay, uh, Jesse started uh, the organization as Breadbasket. It was not pushed back in those days. Uh huh. And uh, James did come and. Uh, he did a great job. As a matter of fact, uh, Push re- uh, recorded, and James talked him a song on uh, their very first recording. Okay. Uh, but I remember uh, that night, uh, I uh, I actually opened up the expo. I did lift every voice and sing, and uh, Jesse and James had uh, their agreement as to what they were, who was going to do what, what James was going to do and how much Jesse was going to pay. And after the show was over, we was coming out going to our car, and James said to me, here, whole list. Oh, what, Jane? So he handed me an envelope that had his check in it that Jesse had paid him. Mm-hmm. He said, you hold this while I shout, because that's a whole lot more than what Jesse had promised me. Okay, okay. <laughs> I looked at that church, I said, you got a right to shout, bro. <laughs> that uh, I'm going to ask you on air if at some point in time we can have another interview because I know that you have more wonderful uh, details about history and um, if that will be possible that we can talk again and especially we'll talk with uh, Reverend Al Sampson once you get the radio station off the ground and we can uh, talk about that as well. Would you be willing to come back? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, right. I 
love. I love doing that. Well, I want to thank you, Reverend Dr. Stanley Keeble, for participating in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These All right. Mm -hmm. And these shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope, yeah. And I hope my audience enjoyed this episode as much as I have. I'm going to ask my audience to please send an email sharing your thoughts about the show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions for future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. I am your host and Sonia saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. Bless you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Are you one of the many Americans that are hoping to find a new job? Do you need to establish new skills or improve the skill you already have? Perhaps you're an HR professional in a company and in need of online training for your employees. Well, I invite you to check out the online training system from Born to Speak to You. Once registered, these online courses are available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for 60 days. In the area of human resource trainings, we have courses on Lunch and Learn program, Crisis Management, Diversity and Inclusion, Health and Wellness at Work, Office Health and Safety, Workplace Violence, and much, much more. Our website is borntospeaktoyou.com, where the two is the number two. That's borntospeaktoyou.com, where you can even arrange for a virtual training for your employees on any one of our 110 training modules.